Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1 through 6. Stay on good terms with one another, held together by love. Be ready with a meal or a bed when it's needed. Why? Some have even extended hospitality to angels without even knowing it. Regard prisoners as if you were in prison with them. Look at victims of abuse as if what happened to them had happened to you. Honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. Don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be relaxed with what you have. Since God assured you, I'll never let you down, never walk off and leave you, we can boldly quote, God is there, ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what. Who or what can get to me? Stay on good terms with one another. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together. Try and love one another right now. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. In a nutshell, the church is a family. And that family works to stay in love. I mean, love really requires effort. Love is not just this feeling. I mean, the one fellow in the band got overcome. He used the word of the 70s. Freedom! You know, it's just, that's just emotion. But real love requires work. And this family, just like my family, your family, and this family in this room that's called the church, is we have got to work toward loving one another. We've got to try to love one another. That's not really an easy thing to do. So what we're going to do this morning is, one, I'm going to give you a suggestion about what we can do to love each other. And then this passage, this paragraph we just read, it gives us several suggestions. I mean, we could take one of those and make the whole morning out of it, but we're going to look at all of them, kind of an overview. So that's what we're going to do. So here we go. We can stay in love with one another by managing conflict. I mean, that's what, I mean, conflict is just absolutely normal. If we're going to try to love one another, then the truth is we're going to, we're going to have conflicts with each other. Now, what I put up there on that, I don't know if you can read that, I'll read some of it to you, is that's, it's called the unmanaged conflict cycle. Most of the time, we kind of think, well, if you love me, you, we'll, we'll never be in conflict. That's not true. Conflict in relationship is normal. The next thing we do is we say, okay, there's conflict between us. We'll just ignore it. That doesn't work either. We have to learn how to resolve our conflicts. If we're going to stay in love with one another, we got to learn how to do this. And I know most of us say, well, I just, I just, I don't like conflict. We don't have to like it. But we do need to acknowledge it exists. And it's one of the things that keeps us from loving each other. When we have a conflict, 
and we resolve it, we will actually grow more in love with each other as a brother to a brother, a sister to a sister, a husband to a wife, parent to child, child to parent, however you want to dice it up. Resolving our conflict with one another is one of the things we can do to stay in love with one another. Come on, people, now. Number one, most conflict arises from unexpected change. I mean, I made light of the little change we did with our prayer requests. It's those sorts of, I just made a change. And you might feel a little tense about that. Or the atmosphere might change. It might go from being kind of warm and cozy to kind of cold. Conflict happens and you feel it. And that is the time for us to address it. Before we even go around the the, the chart, whenever there's a change in atmosphere, whenever there's a misunderstanding, whenever there's tension, whenever, whenever that change happens, we need to say something like this. Wait a minute. I'm just a little confused. Scott, did, did you mean that we're not we're going to stop putting our prayer requests in that box? And you want us to put our prayer requests in the basket? Is that what you meant? And I would say yes. Well, that might resolve it. Or you might, we might go on and, well, you know, I'm having a really hard time. I don't, I don't know if I can change like that. Well, we could talk through that. And I could help you. You know, I could come beside you. We could put your prayer request next week in the basket. But that's the time. But usually we just, we just, we were so polite that we just kind of said, well, I'm just going to let it go. It's not that big. Feel a little awkward, feel a little change, there's a little tension in the air, but I'm just going to let it go. But what we end up doing is we go into stage two, and it's called role dilemma, and we begin to say things like this Who is to blame? Initially, we think, well, you know, it, it was just me. I, I, you know, I just misunderstood. But we're really not that generous to one another because it quickly turns to, wait a minute. It isn't me. It's them. And then we just begin to create, stage three, this injustice collecting because that person's not only to blame for making me change where I put my prayer request, we start going down this whole long list of every way that I've ever let you down as a person. And that list, I mean, the Bible tells us not to keep a record of wrongs. But brother, sister, smile on me now, we do that. So I don't know where it is, but somewhere within us, we keep a long list. And it's at this time we bring that list out. And then we move to stage four, which is confrontation, and all of a sudden there's just this explosion. I can't believe you asked me to put my prayer request in the basket instead of the box. I was just learning to put it in the box. You know, you, that's a cha- I don't like that change. Rare is right. <laughs> And I could say, okay, I'm sorry. And so there becomes this adjustment between us. And the adjustment is is one of two things, but it, it really is the same thing. It's a distancing. 
I'm going to step back from relationship. I'm going to kind of stop loving. I'm going to, I'm going to more cautiously love you. I'm going to step back. Or I'm going to find a church where they don't ask you to put your prayer request in the basket. If we are going to love each other, we have got to acknowledge that we are in real relationship with one another. There are times you're going to love me, and there are times you're going to hate me. Now, the times you love me, you ought to tell me. You know, I love you. What you did was really cool. You can even give me a hug. I like hugs, for those of you that don't know me well. The times you hate me, you need to tell me. I'm not going to hit you much. No, I wouldn't do that. We need to resolve the things that come between us. If you feel awkward, I mean, as silly as it is about this prayer request, if this bugs you today, you ought to tell me. That bugs me if we're making that change. doesn't mean we're going to change it. But at least we can clear the air between us. If we're going to love one another, we have got to learn how to resolve our conflict, how to manage it well. Okay, that's just a little extra I threw in. That's not in the passage. Just something that I've learned from life. If you want to learn more about this, tell me. We'll do, we'll do, a, we'll do a workshop on it. Now back into the paragraph, we also stay in love by exercising love in particular ways. And this paragraph gives us some great suggestions. We stay in love by loving, by exercising love. Love is action. So we want to exercise that love with extraordinary hospitality, extraordinary empathy, extraordinary marriages, and extraordinary trust. I'm going to go over those. I mean, again, there's, I mean, these are really, really great themes. I mean, we could spend the whole morning on one of these and then next week and the next week, but I'm going to kind of go high, just give you a little taste of each. So first, we stay in love by loving when we exercise extraordinary hospitality. I put the Greek word there, not that we read Greek. It's just that the New Testament was written in Greek, and it's good to look up words that are important. And what that word means, that's the word for hospitality. It means love to strangers. I want you to think about that for a moment. Because most of the times we would understand hospitality as being kind to our friends. That's not what the New Testament means. It means loving strangers. And it talks about loving strangers in really just very simple ways. Invite a stranger to your table. And then when those occasions happen, invite that stranger into your home. Most of us have an extra bedroom. Most of us have a place where a stranger could spend the night. Invite a stranger into your life. That demonstrates love. Invite one another to your table. Invite one another when you have a need to stay in your home. We need to love each other by action. And then this little thing is added in here, which is really unique in the New Testament. Some of you, by inviting a stranger to your table, 
by inviting a stranger to spend the night of you, you've actually entertained an angel. Now, the New Testament means an angel, not just somebody that's angelic. There's lots of country western songs about angelic people. This is an angel. I mean, this, this is like somebody like showed up with Mary and said, you're going to have a baby, like Gabriel. It's like an angel. Now, doesn't that intrigue you? Doesn't that intrigue you that an, an immortal, eternal being could show up at your door? Hello, I'm hungry. I don't know you. You're a stranger. Go away. Okay, I'll just go on back to heaven. God loves me. I mean, isn't that amazing? So we want to be a hospitable people. We want to love strangers. We want to love people that speak languages that are different than ours. We don't want to put out a sign that says, Strangers, go home. You don't speak our language. We want to put the sign out and say, I mean, we don't speak your language, but come on in. Maybe we can learn some of your language. Marhaba, Habibi. You know what? That, that's how Arabic people greet each other. Hello, my beloved. Isn't that a greeting for you? Wouldn't you love to run around with people that calls you my beloved all the time? I mean, that's like the song of songs. Extraordinary hospitality. Extraordinary empathy. It's that, that empathy expressed to prisoners and also to those that are abused. Earlier in this letter, it, it said some of you are even in prison. So some of these people that are receiving this letter, because they're following Jesus, they are being persecuted. And, and when you put a person in prison for following Jesus... Those that are following Jesus with them have a choice. Either, wow, they just got thrown in prison for following Jesus. Maybe we shouldn't go visit them because then they'll know that we're their friends and we're probably following Jesus and they might throw us in prison too. So there's really more going on here about being courageous. If you're following Jesus and you're noticing the people around you are suffering the consequences in a bad way of following Jesus, are you going to move away from them or are you going to move toward them and say, so be it. If I go to prison, I go to prison too. Are we courageous in loving one another? Are we willing to go to a great extent of maybe even being imprisoned ourselves? There's a book... Uh, written by a fellow whose name is Brother Andrew, which most of us don't know. And he tells the story of hearing about two Lutheran missionaries that were, were put in prison by Hezbollah in Lebanon in the 70s. And Brother Andrew decided, you know, I have my affairs in order. I'm going to go to Lebanon because I've heard that one of those missionaries is really sick and is probably going to die if he doesn't get out. And so he found out who he was to go to. So he went to the head cleric, the spiritual father of Hezbollah in Lebanon, arranged a meeting, went through all the security things that would have been really terrifying for most of us. And then he's face-to-face with this cleric 
And he says, I guess you wonder why I'm here. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious as to what you're doing here, a Dutch pastor. We have two Lutheran missionaries. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. He says, well, I'm here to exchange my life for the missionary that's sick. I've put my things in order. I'm, I'm relatively healthy. I'd like you to take me in his place and release him so he can go home and get well. The cleric said, what is this? Brother Andrew said, this is Christianity. The cleric said, I've never met a Christian like that. See, Christians, those that are following Jesus, are courageous people. And they show extraordinary empathy one another. May we all become like Brother Andrew. That empathy is also expressed towards those that are abused. As if the abuse happened to you. Unfortunately, you and I live in a day a time that each of us, we've all experienced some measure of abuse, whether it be emotional, whether it be physical, whether it be sexual. We've all had a measure of abuse, something done to us that we most certainly did not deserve being done to us. And I wish I could say that that abuse is happening less in our city, in our homes, in our nation, in the world, but it's not. It's it's not happening less. It's one of those secret sins of our city. It's one of those secrets in our households. Abuse is happening, emotional, physical, and sexual. And when we hear about it, this is what we need to remember. We need to come alongside of people that are being abused as if that abuse was happening to us. We need to position ourselves right next to a person that's been abused and say, in your situation, I'm here with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to take advantage of you. I'm right here with you. That's how you love each other. So all of us that have experienced some measure of abuse, draw from that. That's what some call a wounded healer. Many of us want to just kind of put abuse way behind us, close the door. Don't want to think about it. Just want to deny it. But that's not the way of wholeness. Draw from it. Extraordinary marriages. Honor marriage. This is really, I mean, this is really an amazing thing in the middle of this. In the middle of staying in love by loving each other is this exhortation. Honor marriage and keep the marriage bed undefiled. So what that's telling us is that honorable marriages 
in healthy, intimate relationships between a husband and a wife are foundational to a community that's following Jesus in loving one another. So if marriages in a community of people following Jesus are honorable, and a husband and a wife and those husbands and wives in a community are finding satisfying intimacy in their sexual relation, babies are being born, all those things are happening, that's good for all of us. You know why? It's impossible to be an honorable husband and stay in love with an honorable wife without working at it. Sexual intimacy doesn't just happen because two people jump in bed together. You have to work at it for years to discover what God gave us through the institution of marriage. It's not quick. That's why the marriage thing is for life. Because it's only through life that a husband and a wife discover how honorable marriage is and how intimate the sexual relationship can be. And when there are couples in marriage in a community that's following Jesus that have committed themselves to that path, it influences all of us. We learn how to love each other by watching that husband love his wife, that wife love her husband, those kids watching their parents, resolving. I mean, all that's happening in families. Man, are we missing out when we choose divorce. I mean, we step out of a process that can really benefit not just ourselves, but everybody that we're around. Again, it takes courage to stay in a marriage and to work at it. And I don't think divorce is the unforgivable sin. If your family's gone down that path or you've gone down that path, God has wonderful forgiveness and grace. Just in the marriage you're in now, pursue honorable marriage and all that marriage provides and give it away to the people around you. You stay in love by loving one another. Finally, we stay in love when we learn to trust God to provide everything that we need. If we become obsessed with more stuff, then the focus becomes me and my stuff. And I've taken the focus off of you. And again, let's be honest. Let's be honest, please. (laughs) Come on, people, now. Let's be honest. We live in the most prosperous nation on the planet. And yes... In a measure, we are generous. But compared to what? And is our generosity as a nation really generosity when it has strings attached? 
My, my, ah! We are so after stuff. We're obsessed with stuff. We live in the most prosperous nation on the planet and we got to get into debt trouble because we need more stuff. David, you're a banker. Are we in debt more than anybody? I mean, is our, is our individual consumer debt greater than any other nation on the planet? We're the, we're the most prosperous nation. God has so abundantly graced us, and yet it's not enough. We have the greatest individual consumer debt of any other nation on the planet. Do you see that as a problem? In this context, it's a problem because we can't love each other when we're worrying about getting more stuff and then once we have more stuff, then we're worrying about how in the world am I going to pay for this stuff? Oh, I get it. I'll get another credit card. Which leads to, oh no, I just got more stuff and now I got another payment to make. I don't know. It, we become absorbed with ourselves. We can't love each other when we're under that kind of pressure. We must find our provision in a God who loves us and who promises, I'll never leave you. I will provide for you. Seek first my kingdom and the righteousness of my kingdom and I will give you all that you need. We must learn that a God that's so generous to us teaches us to be generous to each other. And that's how we love one another. That's where love really grows. So what I want to suggest is I'd like to suggest that we memorize this little statement. God is there, ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what. Who or what can get to me? God is there. We're right here. God's right in the midst of our relationships. God is right in the middle of our conflicts. God knows when the stranger is going to show up. God knows who the strangers are in our life. God sends the strangers into our life. God is here. God knows when we're hurting, when we're in prison, when we're abused. God is there. He's in that. I'm here. God is in the midst of our marriages. God is in the midst of our economy. I'm here. But I'm not only here, in the midst of life with you, I'm here ready to help. So we can be, we can be fearless. We can be courageous no matter what. No matter who's knocking at our door. No matter if we're facing persecution. No matter if we're going through a horrible time of being abused. God is here. God's ready to help. I'm going to face these circumstances courageously 
You might be going through a really difficult time in marriage right now. Marriage, you don't always feel in love with the person that you married. Sorry. But God's there. Be courageous. You, You may be buried in debt this morning. I've heard two people this year, since January to now, one of my friends saw God give him out of $55,000 worth of consumer debt from January to now. And he doesn't have a high-paying job. God is here. (laughs) I made horrible mistakes. I made horrible decisions. I'm a sinner. I admit it. And when it comes to debt, God doesn't say, that's right, you're in trouble, you got in it, you get out, good luck. Man, if God did that with our sin, we'd be really in trouble, wouldn't we? When we mess up, even when it concerns debt, God says, you're right, you messed up, and I'm going to help you. I'm here to help you. And God abundantly provided for this family to get out of debt. I don't know how it did that except God. Who or what can get to us? Nothing. I mean, the, the person in this room that drives you most nuts, they can't even get to you. When you invite God to help, God is here, ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what. Who or what can get to me? Let's say that together. Ready? You can read it. One, two, three. God is there, ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what. Who or what can get to me? Would you write this? That's out of the Message Bible. Can I have a Message Bible? Get a Message Bible. No, I'm kidding. I like the Message. You don't have to. If that caused confusion, we can talk about that, okay? (laughs) Write those words. If you don't have a Message Bible, you can look it up on the Internet. It's Hebrews 13, 6. Write these words down. Put it somewhere where you'll memorize this this week. Let's let's memorize this together, okay, as a community. So may God bless everyone in this day. Love one another as you leave. In Jesus' name, amen.